Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. It's been a month of talking about relationships, marriage, and singlehood or singleness and all that. And it's been an amazing month, you would agree. Our Sunday mornings, our Tuesday evenings, we've had amazing discussions, and I have learned a lot. Last Tuesday was about listening, and I went away with learning to listen with your ears, and listen with your eyes, and listen with your mind, and listen with your heart. I didn't know about the, the other ones apart from the ears. I thought you only listen with your ears, but I learned about listening with your eyes as well, and then listening with your mind and listening with your, your heart. Amazing, amazing lessons we learned. And I'm sure people will have different things they picked up. Today we're going to be doing our final Sunday of the month, and we're going to be talking about marriage. Amen. Marriage. And uh, there are two topics that can get me um, excited. I can be blown away and just take off on a tangent every now and then when I talk about two particular topics. And today, I'm going to be talking about both of them. <laughs> so you're in trouble. The first one is grace, God's grace. Anytime I talk about God's grace, I get excited. And the second one is marriage. I love talking about marriage. I love teaching about marriage. Because I think it's an awesome, awesome thing, gift God has given us. Amen. So today, we're talking about marriage. And I'd like us to start off by just asking God to help us. So Father, we thank you so much for this amazing church. You're amazing people that you've brought together in Accra Community Church. We thank you for our lives. We thank you for our relationships. For those of us who are married, we thank you for our marriages. For those who are not, we thank you for the way you are preparing us for that or preparing us to live in a way that honors you no matter what. We're grateful for all the lessons that have come in the past weeks. And today, Father, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you will bring us again a word that will edify us a word that will build us up, a word that would encourage us, a word that, to, a word that would uh, just bless our marriages and also help those who are preparing to marry. Holy Spirit, we submit to you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So marriage, I'm going to do quite a broad one. And um, my goal is to attempt to, in 30 minutes, bring us what I would consider the foundational teachings from the scriptures that will help us build happy, secure marriages. And it's not my fault. I was discipled and trained by someone who I would consider a marriage guru. And uh, these teachings have been a part of my life for over 25, maybe even 29 years. I've heard them over and over again. And I was, my wife and I were counseled through these words, and we have used these words to counsel so many people, and we've seen the fruit, amazing fruit. So I have nowhere to go to but to go to the marriage house. Some of you may know about the marriage house. The marriage house is a, a marriage course. It's a book, it's a course that was written by Dr. John Quigby, and it's an amazing, amazing book. For 30 years of his ministry, he has used this, the teaching in this book to build so many marriages, and I can testify today to all of you here that in these 30 years of his ministry in counseling and marriage, there hasn't been one couple that has divorced 
in, through his ministry, not one. And that is amazing. That is awesome. Because the statistics today is wild. 50% of marriages end up in divorce, and the church is not exempt from that statistic. So to have one church or one ministry where over 30 years all their marriages have, st have stood the storms of life, there's not been one single divorce. But not just that, many people in the, in the, in the ministry who have been affected can testify that they are enjoying their marriages. I can testify. I know Mensa and Rosemary can testify. Many people here have been blessed. Vanessa and Caffrey can testify. Many, many people. We actually enjoy our marriages. And it's not magic. It's because of principles and truths that we have been taught from the word of God. So I'm going to seek today to give you a kind of a, a better eye view of some of the key principles. And my goal also is that to whet your appetite to want to look for his book, The Marriage House. I have given it as a gift to everybody I know who's gotten married since it was published. That's how much I, I love it and believe in how it can transform marriages and build good marriages. So here we go, The Marriage House. So the whole book and its whole structure is an analogy between marriage and building a house, okay? So it gives you a framework to think about the whole idea of marriage. So it's the marriage house. And the beginning, if you want to build a house, maybe unless you're in Ghana, there's something you must do. The proper thing to do would be to get an architect, isn't it? Get a draftsman, get someone who knows how to put buildings together. Someone who has been trained. And then you sit with a person and discuss with a person what you want your house to do for you, what you want your house to look like. Is that not so? If you want a five-bedroom house, you want a story building, three, four-story building, you want a basement, you want a boys' quarters, whatever it is you want, you start with that. Unfortunately, in Ghana, many of us start without a plan. We just go get a piece of land and then we start. And then as we go on, we, we adapt. And so we end up having lots of troubles and lots of uncompleted buildings all over our country. Because we don't plan, we don't prepare, we just get going. So the first thing we talk about is the blueprints for a happy and secure marriage. The plan, the architectural drawings, very important. And we call that the vision for your marriage. It's amazing how many start married without a vision. Two people want to work together. How can they work together unless they agree? And yet, we don't even think about vision for our marriage. We don't agree what we want to achieve out of this marriage. That is your vision for your marriage. That's where we must start from. Before you get married, think, what do I want to achieve? What is my goal? What is my aim? So vision for marriage. And there's no better place to start from than to go to God's word, the originator of marriage. What is God's vision for marriage? Last week, it came up in our panel discussion, I believe. But we'll just go through it quickly. In the scriptures, we find four things that the Bible gives us as God's vision for marriage. And if you want to do Christian marriage, you should make that your vision as well. That should be your blueprint as well. If the two of you can agree on that, I promise you, you are starting off on the right footing. Because when there are two visions, what is that? Die vision, which is what? Division. No wonder there's so much divorce in the world today. People start with, the man has a vision for marriage, the woman has a vision for marriage. They never came to put their vision together, and then they start the journey. Definitely, one vision goes this way, one goes this way. Along the way, there'll be division. But when you go with one vision, even if you start opposed, eventually you converge. Is that not so? So it's very important to start with your vision together, one vision. And what is this vision for Christians? In the scriptures, we find four things. 
very, very quickly, I will go through them. The first one is companionship, Genesis 2.14. Therefore, it is not good for man to be alone, right? Therefore, let's make him a helper suitable for him. That's the first reason we find in the scriptures. Maybe not. I think there's one in Genesis 1. But that's, that's the reason we find the scriptures saying God gave for making a woman for man. It is not good for the man to be alone. So the first one is companionship. It's so important to God. When you're going to get married, the two of you must agree that companionship is going to be key in your marriage. Because that's key for God. Number one in your plan, in your blueprint, should be companionship. We are marrying so that we can be there for each other. So that we can do life together. Companionship is derived from the French bread and come to be with, right? So we, we break bread together. We eat together. We do life together. In our local languages, when you want to say how close you are to someone, you know how we say it. Oh, we eat from the same bowl. It means you're really close. That's what God wanted marriage to be like. That's God's plan for marriage. That the two people shall be close. They shall be tight. Water should not pass between them. That's God's vision for marriage. You're supposed to be best friends. You're supposed to do life together. It means you're supposed to be together. Because how can you do life together when you're not together? So these are some of the things that build solid foundations or solid basis for good marriages. But we realize that we are meant to do life together. We will grow together. We will eat together. We will do everything together. Companionship. Each other's best friends. We'll touch on that on the second vision again. Second one, we find the scriptures, Genesis 2.24. It says that, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the second vision we see in the scriptures. God's intention was that one man, one woman, will come together and become one flesh. How does that work out? And the blueprint, how does it look like? Architects do the main thing, but they also now go and do the fine drawings. This pillar, this beam, how many, you know, iron rods are going to be in it? How much was the volume of cement? They calculate all the things. The details have to come in. So to becoming one, what are the details? I can't say everything. Time is short. But like I said, if you get the book, you get more. To become one, you become one physically. That's easy for everyone to know. That could be sexually, but also in being together, which agrees with the first one, companionship. But apart from physically, you're supposed to be, become one spiritually as well. God intends that as you get married, you become one spiritually. That's why it's important that husband and wife, you, you go to church together. One doesn't go to church here, one goes to church there. Then spiritually, you are growing in different directions. Spiritually, you aim to become one. You pray together. You study God's word. Being in the same church, doing the same things helps you grow together. Because you see, what you feed your mind with, what you learn, shapes your life. So if you are being shaped in different directions, it's going to be difficult for the marriage to join together. But when you are shaped together, when your belief systems are being built together, you are growing in God together, I tell you, it makes for a good marriage. Number three, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, we find that God made man and then he gave the command to be fruitful and to multiply. And so procreation is the third vision we find. Okay, so companionship, two becoming one, and then the third one, procreation. So yes, God designed marriage that it becomes the means by which children are raised. Godly children, 
in godly families who are singing about right now, lovely homes, so that they'll be inculcated with the values of God, the children as well. And the family life will demonstrate how he wants church life to be and how he wants community life to be, how he wants national life to be. So it's very important that a Christian couple understand their procreation and raising up children some of the visions that God has. It does not mean that every couple will be blessed with children. Children are a gift from God. There's no time to go into that now. Maybe at another time we'll touch on that. Then the fourth one, very quickly, fourth vision we find in the scriptures is from Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about Christ and the church, the relationship, and then the husband and wife. And then Apostle Paul says, I am talking about marriage, yet I'm talking about Christ and the church. In a way, he teaches us they are inseparable. They are a reflection of each other. So the relationship between Christ and the church is meant to be demonstrated to the world through the relationship between husband and wife. Where the husband is the head of the wife, and like Christ is the head of the church, and he gives himself for her. And she submits to him like the church submits to Christ Jesus. It's a mystery. It's a beautiful thing. But when Christian marriage works well, it gives glory to God in ways that very few things can, honestly. And that's the link between grace and marriage. Because marriage is supposed to be the highest form of demonstration of the grace of God on earth. Where one person serves the other one as a leader. I am the head and yet my job is to give my life for my wife. That's Christ did for the church. And where the other person is submitting, but it's not submission out of out of, you know, compulsion and, and anger and unwillingness and reluctance, but there's joyful, willing submission to the head, just as the church submits to Christ Jesus. Where else can you find that in this world? The world tells you it's foolishness. Why should you submit? How you are equal. Yes, we are equal, but that's the mystery of it all. Why do we submit to Christ? Is it under compulsion? Is it out of fear? Then there's a problem. In marriage, in Christian marriage, the world gets to understand very well the relationship between Christ and the church. Where there is servant leadership and headship, serving the one below them or the one they're supposed to be head over, and where there's joyful, willing submission. It's a beautiful picture you don't find anywhere else in this world. So fourfold vision we find in the scriptures for marriage. One, companionship. Two, for the two to become one. Three, procreation. And four, to demonstrate a mystery of God. Hallelujah. If a couple can understand and agree that the vision for their marriage is not to make money, it's not to advance each other's careers as much as they can, it's not to build the biggest house possible, it's not to have beautiful children for the sake of people saying they have beautiful kids. If we can understand that our marriage is beyond us, that the creator and originator of marriage has a plan, a specific plan, a blueprint for marriage, if we can own that, if we can believe that, I tell you, you find that you end up building a marriage that looks like this. And these are the ingredients that make for a happy, secure marriage. Hallelujah. So that's God's blueprint, God's vision for marriage. If you're already married, it's not too late. Go back to the drawing table. Go back to the drawing table. Check your drawing. Check your blueprint. And you can align to God's word. Hallelujah. Jesus said, the wise man is the one who hears my words and builds his life or his house according to my word. The storms of life will come. The challenges will come. But that house will stand. But the foolish man is the one 
who builds on the sand doesn't hear God's words. I tell you, these words will give you a good, happy, secure marriage. No fear of divorce. I'm telling you, it works. Second part, time is running fast. But we go to the second part, which, so we've talked about the blueprint, okay? After you've had your blueprint and you want to start building, what's the next thing you think about? The foundation. And that is key. That is so important. If your blueprint is correct, if your foundation is correct, the superstructure, the finishing, the fittings, the furniture, those are the things that we often major on. Things like communication, things like love and respect. Things, you know, they, they come naturally if the foundation and the blueprint is correct. So I'm going to spend time just on, because of how much time I have, I'll talk about just the foundation in addition to the blueprint. So what is the foundation for a happy and secure marriage? You know, foundations are meant to be solid. They are meant to be unshaking. You won't go and build your house on shaky ground. You won't use foam and plastic to build your foundation, would you? You won't. You want something that will stand the test of time. You want something that won't change its structure or character. Something that won't bend under pressure. Something that doesn't change easily. But unfortunately, many of us are building our marriage houses on shaky foundations. Shaky foundations. What are some of the foundations? We base it on things like tribe. Assuming that tribe describes character. We base it on race. A young person takes someone home to show their parents or that they have found someone. Often the first question you hear is, what tribe does he or she belong to? We think that is the key thing. We think when you get the tribe right, your marriage will be right. Big mistake. Tribe is not guarantee of character. People change over time. People are different. So wrong foundation. People build, build it on wealth, money. Money. Oh, he's got a good job. He's got a nice house, got a nice car. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing that is as fleeting as wealth in this world. Money comes and goes. You don't build foundation on money. It can be part of your foundation or fitting if you like. If it's important to you, but don't make it a foundational issue. Don't use money for your foundation. It goes away, it changes. What are the things people use? Educational status. It changes as well. Someone can be intelligent, really bright. But look, we don't own ourselves. We don't own ourselves. Abilities change over time. So if you base it on that, it will change. You know some of the things we base it on. Help me out. And I'll show you that almost all of them are not fit for foundation material. Because they change. They change. It needs something that is immutable. It needs something that will not change over time. You need something that is secure, always the same, no matter the pressure, no matter the stress. And there's one thing that can do that. And that thing is the grace of God. The grace of God. God's grace is God's unconditional. And that is the word. It doesn't change. Unconditional love and acceptance of you and I. That is grace. Grace is not dependent on circumstances. No matter what, God's love for you in his grace will never change. The Bible is sure about that. My favorite definition of grace is by Philippians. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. Great book. 
You should get it if you haven't read it. In that book, Philippians defines grace as you can never do anything to make God love you more. And you can never do anything to make God love you less. That's the definition of grace. Because it's unconditional. It's not dependent on you. We sang a song that said that you look beyond our wrong. That, that's grace. It's not dependent on what you do or do not do. God just decides to love you because he loves you because he loves you. And he's done that through what Christ has done. And what Christ has done is complete and is finished and cannot be reversed. So he accepts us in Christ Jesus when we come to him in Christ. Do, do you get it? The grace of God is unchanging. The grace of God, you cannot spoil it. You can't. It cannot change. You can choose to move away from it. But the grace, the love will always be there. Will always be there. And so that is why it's the best, best foundation for every marriage. Build marriage on grace. How does, what does that mean? It means that the man and the woman must both come to experience the grace of God. You must know the gospel. You must understand it. And you must give your life to Christ. If you've experienced the grace of God, it's the only way you can give it out to somebody else. Scriptures say we love because he first loved us. How can we give what we do not have? We can only give what we have received. So receive the grace of God. If you haven't fully understood the grace of God, do a study on God's grace. Look for that book, What's So Amazing About Grace. It's a good place to start from. Then you understand the beauty of God's grace. What does that it? It gives you a thankful heart, as the song says. When you understand grace, you are always thankful. You are always grateful because you know you don't deserve anything. You don't deserve anything. Even you wake up in the morning and you are thankful because you know you don't deserve to wake up. You wake up with a woman by your side and you are thankful. You don't deserve a wife. It's all grace, 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 grace. You haven't earned it. You can't do anything to earn it. It's just God giving this person or that person to you. So grace is the foundation for a good marriage. Because in grace, you offer your partner unconditional love and acceptance. Unconditional love and acceptance. And that is missing in the world today. Today, people sign prenups. I know, I know even a pastor who used to tell his wife every time, look, as for me, if you do this, this I'll, I'll leave you, I'll sack you, you go to your mother. And I'm like, such misunderstanding about marriage. Marriage is meant to be built on a foundation of grace, unconditional love and acceptance. And that's why in our vows, we speak it to each other in sickness and in health, for better, for what? Worse. We, we say all those words, and we say, till death do us part. So that's the meaning of it. Unconditional acceptance of you, till death do us part. It means no matter what you do, no matter the storms of life, no matter what happens, separation is not an option. That's what it means. That's, that's grace. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. If we can understand this, brothers and sisters, we'll transform our marriages. Indeed, we'll transform all our relationships. It will. Nothing transforms a person more than love, especially when it's unconditional. Nothing. That is what triggers that joyful, willing submission. That's why we are, we are willing to submit to Jesus Christ. That's why. It's grace. It's grace. Nothing else. 
If we're able to get this foundation, if we get the drawing correct, we get the foundation right, brothers and sisters, these two ingredients alone is enough, I'm telling you, the outworking of the understanding of these revelations is enough to give you a happy, secure marriage. Because your marriage will stand the test of time. Your marriage will be there when the storms come, and they will come. The marriage will be there when the changes come, and they will come. The body will change. The six-pack will go. The flaps will come. I'm telling you, the changes will come. You need something that is unchanging to hold the marriage together, and that is grace. That is unconditional acceptance of each other. The money will go, the money will come. Jobs will be lost. Better jobs will come. It's guaranteed in life. If the foundation is shaky, if it's built on something that is like that, there'll be trouble. I hope there'll be opportunity to talk about the other things, the superstructure, the, the fittings, the finishing, the, the, you know, the furniture, the paints you want to use on the house and all that. They are valid, they are important, but they are not foundational. If you get a foundation correct, if you get your drawing correct, I'm telling you, it is a setup for a beautiful, loving, secure. Secure because there'll be no separation, there'll be no divorce. And I've told you from experience, 30 years of these teachings, there's not been one divorce because people learn these truths and are working with it. So their marriages are secure. One party is not afraid of being left because they've made a mistake. When they are loving you and serving you, it's not because, hey, if I don't do it right, he'll shout at me. If I don't do this, this will happen. No, no, no. It's just joyful, loving, willing, giving of each other to one another. It works. So I hope I've stimulated your mind enough. I hope I've gotten you hungry enough to want to reach out. Maybe what I will do, I'll talk to the pastors and see if we can get copies of the marriage house. Maybe for next Sunday. I tell you, I recommend it to everyone. It works. These principles work. So maybe Sunday we'll get a setup here so that, oh, this Sunday is going to be busy. Maybe another one. We'll get it available. And then some of you can grasp it. And it would help you. You'll share with other people. So Christian marriage can change the story. The narrative of the divorce rates all over the world, we must change it. Amen. God bless us all. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.